All right, folks, welcome back into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. Took about a little bit of a break uh, as some personal life gets in the way every once in a while. So uh, it is so good to have you back. So good to be talking about football. So good to be looking forward now uh, that the Super Bowl has ended. So speaking of which, I'm just going to knock this out. We've crowned a new Super Bowl champion, and now the NFL draft is coming up, which means it's time to think about who can win it all next year and maybe a few uh, betting a few dollars on it this time. Around this time last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks were 22 to 1 just to win the conference, which means a bet of $20 would have paid out over 400 bucks. So if you're thinking about getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know a great resource for sports better. It's called the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting and with Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. In every major sport, you can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which make match winning historical bet trends with latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you are looking to bet smarter... An Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive a free or uh, 50% off. Wow, look at me. I can't read today, folks. 50% off the annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive a 50% off annual subscription when you use the code. And I get to pick from a variety of good codes here. Let's go with. Oh, there it is. It's called Breakdown. So the OBR Film Room Breakdown hosted by Jake Burns. It's called Breakdown. That is the code we want you to use. And before I get to my guest, Stephen Thomas, I just want to speak to, uh, there have been three recent passings in the media. All of guys who, when you see their people talk about them, you don't see people talking about how great they were at their jobs. They were very good at their jobs. You see, see people talk about them as people, one of which I had the honor to meet uh, and spend time with professionally. Uh, locally, Les Levine passed away from a battle with Parkinson's uh, over the last week or so. Uh, Les was gracious enough to have me on his show uh, live for the NFL draft the year that the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward. I was their draft expert that year, and so uh, it was just an honor to share three hours on the stage uh, with Les and Dave Bacon. I've been on their their show on Cleveland.com a number of times. But when you hear people talk about Les Savine, you, you hear them talk about his character, who he is as a person, and he was an amazing guy. The same thing is true uh, for an NFL Network gentleman named Chris Wesleyan. Uh, or Wesseling, I don't know. They call him the mailman, uh, or they call him Wes. Uh, Wes was just a good, genuine dude who knew the heck he was talking about uh, when it comes to the NFL, and he passed away all too young of cancer uh, just uh, yesterday, um, and so or Saturday, one of those two. Uh, and then uh, last night going into today, uh, ESPN's Pedro Gomez. Again, same thing, great guy doing work. So if you want to ask the question, how do you make an impact in the world? Uh, you can make a lot of money. You can become a hot click or hot take clickbait kind of person, uh, and you might make a lot of money. You might get a lot of attention. But how you make a lasting impact is to be like Les, like Wes, and like Pedro Gomez and being the type of people that people want to be around, that people remember because of who you are as a character. 
And that brings me into my my next guest. I always start him off as uh, my guy, your guy, the funny guy. And while he is a professional comedian and hilarious in so many ways, what you may not know is that Mr. Stephen Thomas fits in the same mold as those guys I just spoke to. A great, caring, loving dude who probably will make a joke uh, out of this, um, but he's good at that as well. So, uh, Stephen, sorry to come in on a sad note, but just wanted to recognize three guys who made it in their field of sports media, but were far bigger as human beings. How are you doing? Well, um, humbled to be even included in any kind of a sentence with uh, guys like that, because like you said, they're just respected as men. I mean, obviously not as, uh, you know, not only as um, professionals, obviously they're good at what they do. Look at the positions they attained. Um, and while I didn't have the uh, opportunity to ever work directly with any of them, interacted with some of them on, you know, online and, and followed their work and, <clears throat> excuse me, and that sort of thing. And uh, like you said, you can tell the measure of a human by what people mention first uh, when they talk about them. And uh, every single one of the mentions that I've seen for the, the folks that have passed have talked about the man. And uh, frankly, you know, when you're gone, that's all that matters that you leave behind. So, um, uh, you know, best to all of those guys, their families, their loved ones and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, glad to still be here and still be trying to uh, be a good person. Hopefully somebody will talk about me like that one day. Uh, I, th I think they will, brother. Uh, but before we get into kind of we're going to wrap up cornerback week, if you have not been following along at the OBR for the first time since I've been a part of the network and possibly for the first time ever, we as a, a group of amazing writers and me uh, have come together to try to <laughs> present this offseason in an organized planned kind of way. And so we just finished up cornerback week. Uh, Jake posted yesterday. I posted a couple of things. Uh, and Jake posted our roundtable looking at the cornerback position. So Stephen and I are going to kind of wrap that up together, at least about the free agency here. But first, you know, listen, Super Bowl Sunday's over. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers dominated Patrick McCombs and the Kansas City Chiefs. Just real quick, your takeaways from that game, anything that stands out to you, whether it impacts the Browns, relates to the Browns or not, just as you look back at yesterday's game, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, as has been the case for decades, regardless of how the rest of the game changes, if you can consistently, and that's the key word, consistently create pressure with just your front four, it's a godsend. It opens up so many possibilities for what you can do with the second and third level of your defense. And when you're facing a team like the Chiefs with, I mean, you know, devastating levels of speed and skill at various plays, they don't just have one guy that can that can drop an 80-yarder on you. They've got like five guys who can do it at any given time. The, the ability to let, leave seven guys out there, you know, what, no matter what you run with them, if, it's, if you're dropping three deep, if you're, you know, playing man, it doesn't matter. If you have seven of them to cover four or five guys and you know you, you're still going to knock the quarterback off his spot, I, I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. So um, I know that, you know, the game has changed over the years and there are some that think coverage is more important than pass rush. And I'm not, you know, going to debate, but they go hand in hand. The, the fact is, if you can't pressure the quarterback, it makes the rest of the defense uh, tremendously, tremendously tough to play. And if you can, like the Buccaneers did yesterday, and granted, you know, uh, Kansas City's OI had their injury issues, 
you, I mean, you saw what happened. They took one of the most prolific offenses, one of the best young quarterbacks, mobile, accurate, big arm, everything you could want, and they kept them out of the end zone for 64 minutes in the biggest game of the year. Um, that's my takeaway. Uh, if we can get consistent pressure, find at least one other guy to pair with Miles and shore up the middle of that uh, defense, the, the depth in the middle of that defensive line, uh, I think we're going to see a uh, vastly different Browns defense in 21, regardless of, of how much or how little they attack the defensive backfield. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's interesting to me is it also uh, shows you how important offensive line play is, right? Like we mm, know it, mm. we've seen it in Cleveland, but the reality is, is I don't know against, you know, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher and, I actually don't know all the other names. I'm sure there's a couple ex-Cleveland Browns in there. Uh, Corbett's probably there. And is Cam Irving still there? Uh, but whoever's not there right now with those guys, I'm not sure the the, the Bucks have some very good defensive players. I'm not sure they get pressure or they get that kind of pressure if the you know Chiefs are not starting four out of the five are backups. And so it's a, it's kind of a both and like everything in the NFL. There are so many variables, right? Like, the, the blunt statement that this isn't, you know, me, sour grapes. If, if the Richard Higgins doesn't fumble or that penalty is called or whatever, is it possible the literally that one play who knows what it changes? Otherwise, is it possible that one play means the Browns are playing in the Super Bowl, right? So there's so many variables, but if Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher are there, do the Bucks have to do things completely different, right? Do they have to bring blitzers? They have to do all of that kind of stuff. I just think it's so it's why the NFL is so interesting we so want to break it down to one thing. We know you need a quarterback. Like that is number one, and you need good coaching. That's probably number two. After that, everything there's a lot of things that are important. Pass rush, mm-hmm. offensive line, coverage, weapons. I mean, there's so many different things. And so, you know, I think with Tampa Bay, there, you know, we've seen people all over the place talking about should we run more zone? Should there be three safeties? Well, see, they have two linebackers, and I'm gonna hit on that just for my own little kind of thing. Listen, Levante David and Devin White are freaking basically safeties playing linebacker. Exactly. Like they're not linebackers. Like, yeah, give me a dude who can run around like that. That's not a linebacker that you're not going to find those guys so easily. They don't really exist too often. It's no, it's why I wanted Grant Delpit. It's why I love Derwin James. It's why you and I love Jeremy Chin and our boy Winfield Jr., who got you know an awesome 15-yard penalty uh, and is a champion as a rookie. <laughs> Tristan Wirfs, two guys on the rookie side that you and I were kind of pounding the table for last year. There's just, again, the, the Bucs have an embarrassment of riches, a lot of youth, uh, but those two linebackers are unique. Uh, and so... There is a lot that we can take away from the game. I'm not sure there's a lot we can assign credit or blame specifically in a way so that we could, you know, plan the Browns Super Bowl championship based on what we saw yesterday. Well, I think, uh, you know, among all the things you mentioned, of course, um, one of the things is that the game still can be and quite often is won and lost in the trenches. And I know that the the hardcore analytics folks out there want to, you know, say that you need weapons more and you need this more and you need that more. And no one is saying uh, that the, that you have to go back to the Bill Parcells of the 80s. Uh, you know, uh, all your money goes into the offensive line and you run the ball 30 times a game. That's not what we're saying. What you're saying is you can't ignore it. 
which is vastly different. I mean, that's that's basically what ended the Browns' run in the 80s. They they neglected the offensive line for years and years and years, and it finally caught up with them. Um, you don't have. I mean, the Browns had a to borrow your phrase, an embarrassment of riches on the offensive line this year. They had, you know, arguably five guys who could, you know, could have gone to the Pro Bowl. I mean, it, just all five positions were at, at, at top ten. I mean, right there. I mean, you don't need that. Okay, you don't have <laughs> it's to fun have though, right? that. Oh, it's fantastic <laughs> if you can fall into it like they did with, you know, Wyatt Teller rounding out the group and uh, and Jedrick Wills, <clears throat> excuse me, playing like he did as a rookie. That's fantastic. But that, the point is, you don't need to have the best offensive line in the league. But you can't. I mean, not to make excuses for a professional football team, but I mean. It, they were on their third guy at some spots and some guys playing positions they hadn't played. Now the Browns did the same thing and they had guys that came through, but it's, you, you can't neglect the offensive line is what I'm saying. I I saw people, you know, three or four days before the game saying, Oh, well, you know, we shouldn't be putting all this money in our offense. We should trade somebody on the offensive line for, you know, more weapons and this and that, and you don't need an offensive line. That's where the direction was going because Patrick Mahomes and the weapons they had had covered up a lot of the issues that they had since Mitchell Schwartz went down and, and Eric Fisher and those guys that, that you mentioned. And you, it's just not sustainable at a championship level long-term. You just, you just can't do it. You have to have at least a good offensive line. You have to have somebody you can count on up there. I think that's the biggest thing that you can take away from the Chiefs side of things. And like you said, it did af- absolutely add to the effectiveness of Tampa Bay's front four. If they had their their starting five offensive line, I think they're still going to get you know plenty of pressure because they're really, really good and deep across that front line. But no, I, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to be you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes looked like he was in a Benny Hill video for most of the night. So, uh, you know, they wouldn't have done that against the starting unit. But, you know, uh, yeah, there's so many different things. You have to have this. You have to have that. There's no one single thing, like you said, outside a quarterback that you uh, that you can point to. Um, but I think the importance of the trenches will never go away, regardless of how the rules change and regardless of how the game itself changes. Absolutely. The play uh, that most people are uh, taking screenshots of or videos of where Patrick Mahomes has three and then four defenders, you know, on him and he's running 30. It's not really 30 yards, but it feels like 30 yards. And Mm -hmm. if I was really creative, I wanted to take uh, the blind side, the block where he blocks the kid to the bus. (laughs) I kind of wanted to take Michael Orr in the blind side. Uh, and him blocking Patrick Mahomes 30 yards down the field because that's what it felt like. That's that's the one that really sticks out to me that the game uh, changed from that offensive line and the defensive line, the the juxtaposition of those two. Mm. Let's move on to cornerback. So that's what we spent all the last week on. We we hit cornerback free agency in every angle with as many people as we could talk about. So let's start first. When you look at cornerback for the Cleveland Browns. Where would you rank this or how would you describe it in terms of need for the team? Well, it's either one or one A, right? I mean, uh, it's either, you know, a, a edge or or corner. I mean, that's those are the two most impactful positions uh, consistently uh, on the defense. And, you know, unfortunately, OV went down. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought he was playing himself into another short contract here. Uh, uh, the second half of the year. And so really outside of miles, they have some nice complementary and rotational pieces over there, guys that I like, 
but I don't think there's anybody else uh, that you can really count on to generate a lot of pass rush. But if you just look for guys under contract, just the just sheer numbers, I think cornerback might be a little bit ahead of that because outside of Denzel, there's really nobody under contract that we can count on as far as coverage. There are some nice uh, um, uh, special teams guys, and uh, we all hope the best that uh, Greedy Williams is going to come overcome his injury and be what we all thought he could be. But uh, other than that, there's really nobody that we know is going to be here that you can count on. Um, and I think that's the first place we got to find out, the first questions we have to answer. What are they going to do? Uh, with uh, specifically for me, two of their in-house options and Terrence Mitchell and Kevin Johnson. Um, I, I can you can make a case if they're willing to do the right, you know, I'm not the right. If the money is right, that they can both be brought back and you can easily make a case to be gone. Mitchell is the more interesting one to me because in a normal year, non-COVID cap drop year, I would say he probably earned himself a bigger contract elsewhere than the Browns would be willing to give, even though they like him. Uh, they definitely view him as a depth piece. Cause like you said on this pod a couple of weeks ago for like six or seven straight weeks, when they released their official uh, uh, line depth charts, it would say uh, starter greedy uh, Williams out Terrence Mitchell taking his place. I mean, pretty clear indication that all things being equal, they, they view him as a depth piece. Now he played well, he's always played well here. I mean, he's not, you know, Jalen Ramsey lockdown, but he's always done his job and done it well and been a professional. And if, the market for the middle class dries up as some are predicting out there and he can't find the bag that he wants elsewhere and they can get him back on another short deal at a reasonable price. I would love to have Terrence Mitchell come back because he is dependable and he does his job and he's, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's solid. I mean, again, he's not a star, but he's solid. So once they make those two decisions, I think we can then turn our attention to how hard they're going to try to attack some of the uh, free agents that are going to be out there. And I think that's such an interesting uh, comparison <laughs> when it comes to edge and cornerback. At edge, the Browns have their number one, their number three, and their number four, probably, with Miles, with Claiborne, and hopefully Curtis Weaver, somebody I liked coming out of the draft uh, that they picked up from Miami when they tried to sneak him on injured reserve. So they need that really good number two, mm-hmm. but maybe are okay three and four and can find a number five, whatever that is. But at corner, it is one and they might have a number six, or they might have their number five, but there is that gap in between. And you're right, Terrence Mitchell, Kevin Johnson, it's going to be really interesting. In the NFL, unlike Major League Baseball, and even really unlike uh, the NBA, one-year deals aren't as good for the team, right? Normally you think of a a one-year deal in other sports, and it's like, okay, one year, you know, it it just gets them through. But the reality in the NFL is a one-year $4 million deal is a $4 million off the cap, whereas a $3 million deal, depending on how it's structured, can can take away less cap. So it'll be really interesting, you know, for Mitchell, who, you know, came in under Dorsey, not many of us knew him or thought highly of him. He's played really well given expectations. Then Kevin Johnson, who's bounced around just a little bit, you know, Buffalo, Houston, now to Cleveland, had some injury issues with uh, the spleen, I believe it was. So don't really want to consider that an injury issue, but he's had injury issues before that. They would be very interesting and could really create, again, depth. Would they be, could one of them come back and be the number three corner uh, and then maybe hope Greedy Williams is the number four so that you can fill that number two spot? So, Stephen, you need to fill that number two spot. 
uh, let's just assume that right now. Uh, let's assume nobody, Terrence, Greedy, or Kevin Johnson are not your number two cornerbacks. Who is your kind of your biggest, your number one free agent target? Uh, and if you want to include trades, that's fine. Uh, but who is your biggest, you know, target at this position? Well, it, it, it's interesting um, because I think you got to break it down into slot and outside. And it looks to me right. anyway, like there's more guys in the slot in this free agent class that fit their age, uh, you know, production and potential, you know, projected contract profile than there are on the outside. But um, that being said, I mean, you know, you've got what, what do they think of William Jackson? I mean, you know, good coverage grades. Not a lot of turnover production approaching 30. And so he's going to be, you know, he's just finishing his rookie contract. He'll be, I think he turns 30 either right after next season or coming up pretty soon. And at any rate, this is his chance to really grab a bag. Are they going to give it to him? Shaquille Griffin, you know, he fits their size and length and, and speed profile and has, but has been inconsistent. Is he going to want more uh, than than they're willing to give Lattimore. Everybody's discussed to death. I mean, if you're <laughs> gonna if you're gonna get 2017 Lattimore, he's worth the trade, worth the new contract without question. You know, or if you think you can coax him back near that level, you know, it, it's it's completely and totally worth it. But I think as far as guys who are going to hit, if we're gonna you know include you know restricted and and all forms of free agency, I, I'm gonna go probably if they're really gonna spend uh, with Darius Williams uh, out in L.A. because he has just pretty much locked down anyone who's come up across from him, and I think him and Denzel together uh, would be a, a fearsome duo. Uh, for the next three to four years, and you know, obviously you have to make the money work and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I would love it if they were to uh, uh, to go out and grab that guy uh, away from the Rams. I'm also hot on their safety, John Johnson. If they let him hit the market, uh, probably more John Johnson actually, uh, for being honest. But uh, Darius Williams probably if he forced me to pick one guy that's in the rest- you know takeout trades and just well one guy who's in the free agent market that that would be my guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting is who's that player that can take that next step, right? And so we all had an idea who Jack Conklin was, but really felt like he took that next step. Can they find uh, a random Wyatt Teller in some kind of trade for a fifth round pick, you know, or do they go big name shopping in a trade? You brought up Marshawn Lattimore. I know Stefan Gilmore is always talked about from the Patriots, but in the end, whether it's Darius Williams um, you know, there are a lot of guys out there. I know you've, fo- you've hit on pool and Mike Hilton. And I mean, we've covered everybody in the cornerback realm that we could, um, but is there a sleeper? So if, if Williams is your guy out in LA, uh, is there a sleeper? Is there a guy either we haven't spent a lot of time on, um, or that, uh, the casual fan may not know the name well, and they can look it up because Steven Thomas told him to, <laughs> well, <clears throat> if, uh, if they're listening to me for names, you should go uh, uh, check it with the, uh, with uh, you know uh, some of the bigger NFL names first, just to double check to make sure I'm, you know, like like Sam used to say on Cheers, hey Sam, how do you spell this? Just like it sounds, then check it with Frazier. That's that's, that's <laughs> sort of the uh, the attitude. But uh, I, I don't know if he counts as a sleeper because he was a huge name uh, in his uh, draft cycle, but he's sort of fallen off because of injuries. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ronald Darby. Uh, had his struggles uh, in Philadelphia, uh, both on the field and with some injuries. But he went to the football team this year. Um, and, you know, you didn't hear his name a lot, but he just went out and did his job. 
for the first time. His coverage grade was uh, up around 80. I don't have it in front of me right now. It was, it was really good. By far the best year uh, of his career. And he still had, he showed on in several spots that he still has the, uh, you know, flat out blazing speed uh, that he had coming out. And we know we're trying to get faster on uh, all spots of the ball. So, uh, the medicals, of course, will be huge there. But if the medical staff in Berea says, oh, yeah, that was all, you know, young guy stuff, still growing body, and he's grown out of it now, and he should be clear. If if they're good with him, I, and I think he'll probably be a lot cheaper than some of the other names on the market because he's still trying to prove it, um, I, I think that could be an option as far as a sleeper goes. Okay, awesome. And then we go to – so we've gone to your – and I agree. I think Darby – I wonder about players that were highly liked Kevin King and, you know, some of those random names that uh, feel like blast from the past, but were you know, four or five years ago in the draft cycle, I think there's going to be some interest out there in some of those Mm -hmm. kind of guys, whether they're good or not, it's a different conversation. You know, my piece on, you know, whether Woods is going to continue in zone coverage or, or go to man will also kind of decide some of that. Uh, But looking at free agents, is there a free agent out there you do not want the Cleveland Browns to sign at cornerback? I mean, there's nobody that's been mentioned prominently that I'm like, oh, God, no, you know. Uh, uh, but I, 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 I do have a preference, and it's, it may sound obvious when I say it, but, uh, I, you know, Richard Sherman's name has been dropped, and Patrick Peterson, uh, who you and I talked about a couple of months ago and just uh, earlier today, it's been – finally made you know not official but you know they're probably not going to bring him back in Arizona I hope that's not their first uh, choice I hope that they go out and find if they like any of the younger guys uh, that that's where they you know make their first efforts and their first offers to uh, I would prefer if you know they try to get somebody long term obviously uh, but that being said as I've said online a few times if they swing and miss at, you know, Darius Williams or William Jackson or whoever your favorite young, uh, younger cornerback is, they go out and they try to get them, and they have they they can't go into the draft with nothing. They just they can't. They have to bring somebody in, uh, and so you could do worse if you can make the contracts work. And I don't know if either of those guys would be interested in this type of contract they would get here. But if you could do a lot worse than a short deal for Richard Sherman, a short deal for Patrick Peterson. Um, and then, you know, draft some guys and let them learn from those two guys for a year or two uh, before you take over and roll their money off the cap. But I wouldn't want that. And I wouldn't expect it to be, but I wouldn't want that to be their initial push in free agency to be the, the guys north of 30. Yeah, you know, and honestly, for me, Richard Sherman is the name. And it's not actually about Sherman. And I think I think he's going to try to get his money and I think he he deserves it whatever I mean again get what you can get we'll never begrudge somebody their money I'll never begrudge somebody their draft spot like that is not judge of of their talent that's the judge of the talent that of the team that drafted them uh, but with Sherman my bigger issue actually would be uh, a Joe Woods stubbornness uh, that we would definitely be cover three Seattle style zone and I think if Denzel Ward is your best cornerback, you want to use him to his strengths and he, he is much better. He likes, I can just say he likes being man to man. He likes mm-hmm. being impressed, man. He doesn't want to, not that he doesn't want to, he's fine as an off man. He is fine as a zone cover guy. He is at his best and he's most engaged 
at in man to man in press in some of those tighter coverages. Um, for me, Richard Sherman would be Joe Woods staying stubborn to wanting to do because it was why they brought in Donovan Olumbo, uh, Olumba. He is an interesting guy, but he's an interesting Seattle cover three developmental guy. And so for me, Richard Sherman's the guy, not because of Richard Sherman, but because of what it would say. Now you're right. If, if it's a weekend or, you know, five days into free agency and, and then they come to a deal with Richard Sherman because they couldn't bring anybody else in, that's a different story. But to make him a priority, I'll just be honest. I don't love that idea given who is already on the team. And if greedy Williams is your guy, he is the same as Denzel. He, he wants to be physical, all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing like, I don't think we've heard anything from lane. We've heard nothing from Barry or uh, Kevin Stefanski that say that they don't expect greedy Williams to be back. Uh, And I've heard, and he posted on Twitter, he wanted to be back this season. So, uh, there's a lot going on there, but if if Ward is your is your number one and you want Williams to be a part of your team, pure zone, cover three, cover two, I don't care, just is not what I want you to be heavy in. So that would be my my guy that I am out on. Yeah, I think you know if if you ask me to step back and look at the the cornerback position as a whole in the off season and taking into account the draft. Uh, and free agency. I, I always say you can't buy what isn't on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, if you go to the grocery store and you want to buy milk and they're out of milk, you you, you come home and somebody's mad at you because you didn't get milk. You know, I'm, it, how, how can you do that? There's a lot of people that do that every year. Why didn't they sign, you know, a, a, a linebacker? Why didn't they sign a wide receiver? Well, there weren't any, you, you know, that fit it, fit what they want to do. So, if you step back and take a look at the group as a whole, not that there aren't good slot options uh, in the you know, first two days of the draft, because there are uh, Elijah Molden, Asante Samuel, a couple other guys uh, that I think would be really, really good additions in the slot. I think there's more available on the shelves in free agency in the slot department. You know, give me a Brian Poole, give me a Mike Hilton, uh, Camp Sutton, maybe even, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, a, there's a couple other uh, slot names. I don't have the entire list in front of me at the moment. But you I, guys can all go to the OBR.com. We have pretty much yes. everything listed throughout the last week. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. But it's all I mean, there, baby. It, it seems like if that were to be the case, and it seems like they're, those guys fit, like I said earlier, age and style and money parameters, that they're, if you ask me right now to guess, it's going to be somebody in a slot, a Brian Poole uh, or a Mike Hilton, and then they'll attack outside corner, a partner for Denzel. Uh, day one or day two in the draft. That that's my guess at the moment, just based on, you know, the availability of what of, of the cornerback store. That that's what's on the shelves. That that's in their price range, as far as I can see. Absolutely, and I think you know, just typical NFL. They they're slow to catch up, right? So outside corners are more expensive than inside corners, even though there's a ton of value to inside corners, and so. Mm. I think, and we're going to talk about um, you know the draft as we get closer to that, and being up in Cleveland and all that jazz. Um, but I think what's interesting, like you said, you you literally describe the Browns attacking their cornerback position like they attacked their offensive line position last year, mm-hmm. right? They they signed Jack Conklin, knocked that out of the ballpark, and then went in the first round and got Jedrick Wills. So uh, based on your thoughts, either in the first or second round, most likely, uh, maybe in the third round, but we're looking at a cornerback that at least you're going to know their name because we at the OBR have, have – taking care of that all of last week. 
um, and then somebody high in the draft uh, to continue to fill in there. What's really interesting about the draft, and we're not going to get into too much of it today, is I've seen a lot of people who are very down on this cornerback class, and I'm very high on the potential. So I don't think there are there are those guys that you're going to step in day one, Jedrick Wills style, and be ready to go. But I think there is going to be high-level athletic potential through the third, fourth, and fifth round where there just may not be those immediate starters outside of Asante Samuel, J.C. Horn, some of those other guys that we'll talk about as we get there. So it, when if you looked, at, looked ahead, we think the cornerback free agent class – has more depth to it and maybe more strength. What is your initial or current thought on the draft class at cornerback? I, I like it. I actually think there's four or five guys who, you know, uh, are projected anyway to step in and start day one. And if it's a need and they're there at 26, there's so many variables between here and there. But, you know, you get me a – I find it highly unlikely that, you know, a certain or a mm-hmm. Caleb Farley is going to be there. I've seen – J.C. Horn falling into the mid to late 20s lately. I, I don't understand why, but that's been happening. If J.C. Horn is around or, you know, my guy, Afatu Malafanwu, uh, I think those are guys that, frankly, can step in and start on the outside right away. And there's probably, a, you know, one or two more that are escaping me at the moment. But I'm with you. I think that day two group, day two to, you know, the first mm-hmm. dozen or so picks of day three from 40 to 110 has a lot of really interesting guys uh, in there. Shakur Brown uh, is among that group. Eric Stokes is among that group. Um, uh, Asante Samuel, Elijah Molden. Uh, there's there's a bunch of guys in that range that I think, you know, while they may not come in and be Revis Island week one as a rookie, they can come in and contribute immediately in the slot or in dime, you know, uh, or at least rotationally and then grow into something, <clears throat> excuse me, by the end of the year or year two. Uh, there's, there's a lot, especially with as much depth as the Browns need back there. I, I'm expecting a couple of picks in, in that top hundred uh, to be corner if the value matches up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so folks, we are heading into defensive end week. We'll call it edge week. We'll edge you all week. Um, and so we've, we're finishing off cornerback week. We've gotten that taken care of, but I thought it was good to have Steven in looking to have Jake in uh, later this week to talk about edges and uh, philosophical as well as kind of scheme orientation of, of edges and go from there. Uh, and obviously uh, we'll have Steven back on Steven. Thanks for taking some time, buddy. Always, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, thank you for stopping by the Orange and Brown Report podcast. Again, I am your host, Jared Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. You can get a hold of Steven at Brown's Mock Draft. And everything is up at the OBR or the OBR.com. Please, please continue to take care of yourself. I know it can be frustrating. I know this year has been difficult. Please continue to take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.